And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you, today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, friends, I think you probably know by now that there is nothing I love more than having an Innovate Her KC member on the Startup Hustle podcast. Those are my favorite, favorite episodes. I love telling the stories of Innovate Her founders worldwide. And today is no exception. We have one of our faves, Emily Sturk, is with us today. She is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist and founder of Healing Towards Wellness. So we're going to be talking about a lot of really great topics. But first things first, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk to us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I love you and I love Innovate Her KC and everything it does for our community. So to be a part of that and, and share what's going on here in KC is just awesome. I love it. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. See, we're already experiencing synergy. Well, so Emily, I'm just going to go ahead and dive right into it. And I, I want to hear about your journey. Tell us about your journey. Yeah. So there's some factors, you know, like you said in my title, first and foremost, I'm a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist. I've wanted to be a therapist forever. Um, since high school, I knew specifically what I wanted to do. And as I, you know, went through high school, college, um, grad school, to become a therapist, I learned I didn't want to do what everybody else does. So typically, when you go to grad school to become a therapist, you automatically go into private practice. And Kansas City is saturated with private practices. We have some amazing, amazing clinicians in the area. I just didn't want to do that. Yeah. So after grad school, I had had this goal since about senior year of high school. I wanted to live in Boston. So directly following grad school, I moved to Boston, Massachusetts. And that's where I did all of my post-grad work. I got my licensure and it really opened my eyes and just worldview to the world is more than just private practices. A lot of agencies, nonprofits, um, government entity spaces where clients or people needing mental health support have affordable options. They have accessibilities. We would go to people's homes. A lot of the therapy was free. And that just really helped me understand that even though private practices are really great and really support a lot of people, when your price tag is $150 an hour, that cuts out thousands, if not millions of people to get the sure. mental health care they need. So in 2018, I realized Boston was just frankly too expensive. It's so expensive. I love it. But I moved back to Kansas City. And I'm really glad I had that space away because I was that classic kid born and raised here, want to get away, like, like, F your city, whatever. So I left 
did my thing and then came back to Kansas City. And now I'm like, I this place is the best place ever. So moving back, I took all of that information from grad school, all of that information I gathered from Boston and did some research. And I was like, I see all of these private practices. I see the, uh, the average cost of therapy, which is $600 a month. And I saw this gap that nobody was filling. And it was just that lower to middle class person that they don't have $600 a month, but we also, so we see that gap where they don't have that income. And we saw insane statistics around suicide rates in our area. Johnson County in Kansas is some of the top suicide rates in the country. And there was like a direct correlation that we see high suicide rates and people not being able to afford or access mental health care. So that's where healing towards wellness comes into play in 2019 is I started this nonprofit to be accessible, be affordable, meet this gap. I specialize in higher crisis mental health needs. So suicide prevention, self-injury, eating disorders. And a lot of times you see those when people don't have access to basic needs. I believe mental health is a basic need, basic human sure. right, right? So that's kind of my journey as to how I became a therapist and a founder of nonprofit on like the business professional side. On the personal side, I struggled with a lot of these things growing up. I struggled with self-injury. I was in therapy in high school. One of my closest friends died by suicide senior year. And I had already had kind of, if you could say, a calling, I guess, just this idea of I wanted to be a therapist. So my personal world and experiences and my professional experiences kind of came together, brought me back to Kansas City, and then Healing Towards Wellness was formed from there. That's well, it. and so so you you mentioned a lot of really, really interesting things, but the first mm-hmm. thing that I want to do is I want to talk more about that 10,000 foot view. So we live in a country that does not have socialized medicine or, or equitable access to medical care, and that includes mental health services. So talk mm-hmm. to us about the the framework that you're operating within, or I guess like I guess the cultural zeitgeist that you're operating within, because I've noticed a, uh, there, there seems to be more conversation happening around mental health and access to mental health services and how important it is. But mm-hmm. what I'm not seeing, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm not seeing is a whole lot of action. I'm seeing general practitioners like, or, or I guess individual practitioners like yourself, who are kind of taking up the charge and changing the way that we're we're looking at therapy as a business, which is beautiful and wonderful. But what I'm not seeing is a lot of that systemic change that we're kind of hoping mm-hmm. for. So talk to us a little bit about that, like what that means for the United States specifically in, in the realm of mental health access. Yeah. So growing up here in Kansas City and specifically the Overland Park area, again, you do, you have a lot of private practices where because it's a more affluent area, they're charging $150 to $200 an hour. Now, social workers and licensed professional counselors, which are just a different educational entity, a lot of them can be on insurance panels. Me, a marriage and family therapist, insurance panels don't love us. It's been about within the last decade that if I wanted, like I can't be on Blue Cross Blue Shield, but I could maybe be on um, another insurance. So I think that is the big answer to this question. I then moved to Massachusetts. Well, they have health care for everybody in that state. I don't want to say universal health care. Massachusetts has the affordable 
like Kara. It's Massachusetts version. <laughs> right. Their version of the universal health care. So everyone yeah. has access to medical care, mental health care, and things like that. And so you didn't see a lot of private practices in Massachusetts. You see a lot of people working in agencies and um, the big kicker here is insurance. And so for me, people are like, oh, Emily, why don't you get on insurance panels? I was like, I can't. I can't because of my licensure. And so if we talk about like privatized insurance or universal insurance, specifically mental health, it's only been within the last decade or two that non-social workers can um, be on insurance so people can use that to seek out therapy because it's it's the, well, do I charge lower costs and be able to run my business or do I charge 150 and I can run this business, which is why I wanted to do a nonprofit is I wanted grants and donations and things like that to keep the cost low. But to go back to your question, is it such a broad answer? Because it really comes down to who is lobbying for us in DC to be able to say, hey, mental health is just as important as medical health. We need access. MFTs, LPCs, social workers all need to be on insurance panels. Well, we aren't having the best lobbyists. And so then we can't. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's like a, I mean, I just said words, like it's such a complicated answer. Yeah. And it, it's one of those things where it's like, I know that we're not going to like hash out yeah. and solve the problems of, yeah. of, you know, healthcare access in our country, but mm-hmm. it, it's always good to kind of have the, the broad look at what's happening. So now I want to talk to you about how healing towards wellness is, is attacking that, or I guess I want to dive a little bit more deeply. So you've shared a little bit, you said that you're a nonprofit practice. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yes. Um, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, you're an Innovate Her KC member, and I see you on a regular basis coming into our community when people are looking for therapists that specialize in family care. I mean, I think I've seen you raise your hand when people have said they're looking for therapists that have a focus on LGBTQIA issues. And mm-hmm. you know, so you're, you're doing a great job of meeting your patients and potential patients where they are. Um, But talk to us a little bit about your patient experience. So somebody comes to you, are they referred to you uh, by agencies? Do you go out and recruit for clients? Um, Talk to us a little bit about that process and what it looks like. Yeah, it's kind of a combination of all of that. I get a lot of referrals. Again, um, Healing Towards Wellness is one of the few, if not the only mental health nonprofit in the area that... Uh, resembles a private practice. And again, I think that's that taking action piece of I'm trying to take action in ways I can't. If we're not on insurance panels, it's hard to take action because we have to charge a certain cost. So right. with that, yeah. So with that, I have referrals. Again, I people know what I specialize in, those higher crisis spaces. Mm-hmm. LGBTQ, obviously we're very pro. Um, people just know that we are affordable. We have a sliding scale of 40 to $75 a session. And so there are other clinicians who are in the private practice sector who have sliding scales, but they only have so many allotted spaces for that because they have the things that they have to pay for to keep their business running. So yeah, so we do like, we'll have a booth at Pride. Um, We do vendor booths here and there. Again, word of mouth referrals. You'll see me put on comments like, hey, we'd be a great fit. There's also some Facebook pages that are 
for therapists or clinicians in the area. So like Greater Kansas City Therapist is a Facebook group that if anyone's needing a referral or, hey, I'm not the best fit for this person, I need a therapist who specializes in this. So all of the therapists in the area are a part of this group. So that's, um, those are all the different ways. Yeah. Well, so so how has your, your I guess, methodology or how, how has your, your revenue structure, how has that been received by the mental health community? Because it's a little different. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, people probably didn't see my face. It's been I, in the beginning. Let me just go ahead and break it. Yes, she made a face. Yeah. <laughs> um, It's, you know, in the beginning, I, I was not well received. Um, and it's gotten a little better since um, it'll be five years in October. In the beginning, I was very much viewed as, why are you challenging our system? Why are you challenging the status quo of how we do things here when you deserve to charge your value? You deserve to charge like what you're worth. You've done all of this work. You have this license. You you do things that p- other people regular people, quote unquote, like can't do, you need to charge these fees. And I'm over here, like people are dying. Like yeah. 50 doesn't change. I, I'm, in my I'm all for people, especially women in historically marginalized communities getting right. paid their worth. But at the same time, for, for every delay we we have in, in, in creating these access points for mental health care, I mean, every, every time we delay, pe- people die. People are hurt. Yeah. People, people hurt. People hurt other people, and it's kind of this like right. exponentially growing, gross morass of us not being able to get our shit together and mm-hmm. offer universal mental health care. Yeah, <laughs> right? so it's not that I disagree that we are worth our value. It's that to me, my value isn't what I charge. For a lot of people, it is, and that is great for them. For me, I have. Like my value doesn't decrease because I'm charging $50 a session. And so for, so in the beginning, yeah, the mental health community was super not on board. They were like, you're trying to gouge us. You're challenging the system. People now know that therapy can be cheaper and effective and work. Um, I would get a lot of passive aggressive statements like you do you, or you stick to your mission or, and I'm like, I will, I will do those things. And so but I think as the years have gone on, people have learned, I'm not competing with you. I know where I specialize. I know where I don't specialize. I want to be very community-driven, community-based, so I'll refer to a private practice. Um, so I think since we've been around and people have learned, oh, Emily and Healing Towards Wellness isn't competing, like they're not a form of competition. They are here to help meet needs of the community. It's gotten better, but I still do still get some like side eye or why are you doing this or how are you surviving things like that and it's like it's just to me it's not that complicated to charge just a little bit less to have a broader reach of getting mental health well and it's really interesting like so, so for those of you who don't know johnson county is a geographic area it's a i guess a suburb kind of a suburban mm-hmm. area in kansas city and it's known for being one of the more affluent areas in, yes. in in kansas city and so so what's interesting is i i feel like as a marketer i'm like i don't necessarily know that your clientele is that there's a lot of overlap with a lot of the folks seeking mental health access in Johnson County. And so, so you're really not in competition. Like you're, you're charging lower costs because there are people who 
they require those lower costs in order to be able to access mental health care. Like the people who come to see you are not necessarily at the same socioeconomic strata of the folks who go see the therapists who charge 200 bucks, 150 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I feel like there's enough room to play for everybody to play and for everybody to benefit our community. Is that kind of, is that kind of your thinking on the matter? Absolutely. And it does shine a light that, again, no one's dismissing that Johnson County and Overland Park is affluent. No one's dismissing that. But what we are dismissing is that the homelessness community is growing in Olathe. There is, you know, you can walk into people's homes and because finances are hard and the pandemic and recessions and all of those things, they've sold all of their stuff. Like there is... Um, Yes, we're affluent and there are so many families who are struggling financially. And you're right, like we are gearing towards them, not the people who can afford $150, $200 a session. That's awesome for them. They have so many options to find amazing therapists. These group of folks that frankly, again, don't make enough, they don't have those options and we wanted to fill that gap. So that's exactly right what you said. Did, did you hear that, Joe Co-Therapist? This is additive, not duplicative. That's what we like to see. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, so so you said that you received some pushback, and I was really interested mm-hmm. to hear about that because basically you are turning a very established, very lucrative machine, healthcare, and specifically mental health care, on its head a little bit. You're doing it differently. And so so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, is, it, talk to us about where did you find the courage? You're doing a very difficult thing and you're talking about it like it's you're like, eh, no big deal. We're just doing, doing the, doing the deal. Um, but, but talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, I think to find the courage at the time, I had had this business plan kind of in my back pocket for a while, honestly, never really thinking it would do anything. But when I moved here in 2018, I frankly was in a financial position that I couldn't afford $150 a session. And so for me, I'd had this idea in my back pocket. I knew I didn't want to do private practice. I'd known that forever. So for me, what are my other options? And so, yeah, I took a massive risk. I depended heavily on my husband who worked and provided benefits. Um, I didn't get paid for like a good chunk of time. And I think the courage just came from like, there's just no, there was like no other option, you know, like if I know I'm needing this and for the most part, my husband and I do okay. There has to be thousands of other people struggling even more. And it just, I was in between a job that I got let go from for budget cuts and knowing I didn't want to do private practice. So I had this window, I had this window of time in 2019 of, Hey, we're just going to explore. I'm going to Google how to fill out nonprofit paperwork. I'm going to start, I think that's where I found Innovate Her KC. I'm going to start talking to these people and say, I have this idea. And it was Innovate Her KC specifically. I talk about this all the time. That was like, connect to these people. And if they essentially give you the go ahead, you're golden. So there were a few names that I went and met with. And one of them was like, make a budget. Let me, and, and she's like the guru of nonprofits in Kansas City and was like, 
let me look at the budget. And if I think this budget is doable, you should be able to move forward. And that's what happened um, about six months before the pandemic hit. So yeah, yeah, the courage came from my personal experience where we were struggling. We had had like a medical emergency. We were really stuck. I had reached out and just started asking questions. And I really wanted, again, I hadn't lived here for about five years and I wanted to really learn what was going on in Kansas City. I didn't want to be that person like, like you guys are all doing things wrong. No, I wanted to learn to see where I could meet needs. And it just, this window of space just opened up and I took it. Yeah. Well, so, so funnily enough, as, you, as you're talking, I, I had a big, for those of you who can't see us, I had a big old smile on my face. I was kind of giggling because I'm like, Emily, you and me are the same. Because you're talking about like, you know, not, like the not getting paid for months and like you just kind of step off the cliff and hope that it works out. And uh, I've met, I've met your, your partner, your, your husband. And, you know, I, I have an amazing partner as well. And he is the only reason that I can do what I'm doing with Innovate Her. So, so it's really, really uh, fantastic to hear that, that aspect of your story. Um, so really quick, folks, I do want to hop in here and just let you know that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullscale.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. We're here with Emily Sterk. Emily is a licensed clinical marriage and family therapist and founder of Healing Towards Wellness. They are a nonprofit mental health care uh, mental health care outlet, but they, they have a new approach, uh, here in Kansas city. And, and I'm really, really enjoying hearing more, hearing more about it. Cause I've seen healing towards wellness in the Kansas city community. You and I have talked about it in the innovator community, but doing a little bit of a deep dive is super fun for me. So, so thank you for, for allowing me this. So we talked about the fact that you are a little bit ra- you're rare in the space and that you are a nonprofit uh, entity, but you are you're operating in a world that's filled with for profits, um, mm-hmm. you know, folks who are interested in squeezing that dollar as much as they can. So, so just to make sure that I'm checking my understanding, so so people can donate mm-hmm. to Healing Towards Wellness to subsidize this therapeutic cost that you attach to sessions. Is that the thinking? Yeah. Yes. So donations help keep the cost low that we don't have to raise our costs. Um, Donations also help us grow our team. We hired on a second clinician this past year. We would like to get a registered dietitian. Um, We would like to get personal train, like anti-diet personal trainers. So donations help us grow the mission, grow the team, but most importantly, keep the cost low. Yeah. Okay. Well, and thank you for that. And just so you folks know, we're going to put a link to Healing Towards Wellness in the show notes. If you feel called to donate, donate, and I think you should, uh, definitely click on that link. Check out what they're all about. They're doing some really fantastic work. Uh, so talk to us. You, you just talked to us about the team. You know, you're growing your team. You have have lots of big plans. Talk to us a little bit more about that. You know, you mentioned um, some, some maybe nutrition uh, focused folks, because as we all know, the things that we put into our body and the food that we consume, that can have a huge impact on mental health, as can exercise. Uh, what are some of the other healing toward wellness dreams? Um, 
So we want to create a wraparound service. Again, this is something that I took from Boston. That is a very common form of mental health care for clients is clients have a wraparound team. So they don't just have a therapist and then, okay, go off to your doctor over here. No, the doctor and the therapist, and I worked heavily in foster care. So a lot of times it was their social worker. We would meet monthly about this person. And I just love that concept. I love that it's community. I love that we're collaborating and coming together. And so a the, the dream for Healing Towards Wellness is clients will have access to a mental health therapist, an anti-diet registered dietitian, and a personal trainer. Because again, we want to be accessible. Well, if you have to go to the gym over there and your dietitian, first of all, people don't even know to go to dietitians and they're amazing and therapists yeah. and you don't have a car, we need to all be in the same space. Right. Um, so that kind of matches that accessibility space of having a wraparound team at an affordable place. And um, the other dream is being a nonprofit, we have a board of directors. So people volunteer their time to help run this company, which teaches me the community believes in our mission, believes in what we're doing. And I think that's the dream is just having a really cohesive collaborative board to run just the oversight, big picture of healing towards wellness. And then we have this team of clinicians from various expertise to come and wrap around clients and they get their mental, emotional, nutritional needs met all in one space. So I love that. Um, you keep using this, well, you used it twice, um, this phrase, and I want I, I think I know what it means, but mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you to drill down on it a little bit more. But what is an anti-diet nutritionist? What does that mean? Yeah, so an anti-diet registered dietitian is they tend to believe they're like health at every size. So haze is a very common um, theme amongst therapists and dietitians. They tend to come from an intuitive eating stance and believe in food freedom. So we don't use language like healthy versus unhealthy or good or bad. We talk about how we obviously want to put nutrients into our body and eat the foods we love. So again, anti-diet tends to be we try not to count calories. Again, weight and health are not like co totally connected. Like we challenge the BMI system and yeah. things like that. I think a we lot of people challenge the BMI system. I mean, it was developed yeah. like so long ago. And I, I think it's, from mm -hmm. what I understand, it's pretty antiquated. Uh, but, yeah. but what you're saying is really interesting. So so. I was thinking about this not too long ago. I went to, you know, Lizzo, the the mm -hmm. performing artist. Like, I think she's mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. Um, but I, I keep on seeing, like, she posts pictures unashamedly and unabashedly where she's, like, wearing form-fitting clothing. And she's she's a large lady. Um, you know, I happen to think she's beautiful, but she, she's, a, she's a bigger woman. But mm -hmm. here's the thing. Like, so often we equate thin with good and fat with bad. And that's not, I mean, you can be skinny and you can be remarkably unhealthy. And I mentioned Lizzo because, you know, I went to one of her concerts not too long ago. And I mean, there are a lot of people who would look at her and say, I bet she's really unhealthy. But the fact is that woman jumped around on a stage for three hours straight, full energy the entire time. And you're not, you cannot tell me that someone who has the ability to do that night after night, you cannot tell me that they are as unhealthy as people seem to think they are. So, so I just, I wanted to mention that and I wanted to challenge that in your minds, listeners, just a little bit. So, so thank you for, for illuminating that. Exactly. <laughs> Diet culture 
anti-diet mentality challenges diet culture, which is exactly, I mean, Lizzo walks on a treadmill for hours belting her songs. Like you have to have stamina to do that. And so anti-diet is simply challenging diet culture. Like you said, that thin is good. Thin is healthy. And that's frankly not true. Considering I specialize in eating disorders, you have anorexia and bulimia. They're thin. That's not healthy. Well, that's crazy. To, to your point and, and folk, listeners on the show, I think I've mentioned this a couple times before, but you know, I, I am a recovering addict, um, have been for 17 years. Like I'm, I'm cool. I'm good. I feel pretty strong in my sobriety, but that being said, you know, I was crazy skinny at the height of my drug use and I was more unhealthy than I have ever been in, enti- in my entire life. But I would have people come up to me and be like, hey, uh, you look great. Congratulations. And in my head, I'm like, stop congratulating me. This is not this is not related to a good thing. <laughs> you know, and it's just we, we have to challenge these perceptions. And I know that we went down a little bit of a conversational uh, detour, but I just I wanted to, to mention that. Yeah, no, I appreciate um, it. For sure. So something else that I want to talk about, you know, we're talking, we're kind of talking about stigmas right now. We're talking about people who believe things that tend to be untrue. Talk to us about the stigma surrounding mental illness. Um, how are you working with your clients and working with the community to break down those particular barriers? So I think it, it comes down to language. You know, I get a lot of clients that say I'm broken. I feel crazy all the time or um I, you know, and you have those type of phrases and it's like, you're not crazy and you're not broken. Like, and so how you break the stigma of mental illness is, again, they, first of all, like, there's something that's like, like one out of five people struggle with mental health. That statistic's incorrect. Five out of five people struggle with mental health. Everyone struggles on mental health in some capacity. And so it's, are you functioning? Are you in good relationship? You deserve dignity and love and respect just like everyone else. And so I think it's it's normalizing that mental health and mental illness everyone struggles with on some capacity. We normalize it that I always say to people, um, we have Cottonwood Springs. It's a um, it's a facility here in Olathe. It is at capacity all the time. So why are we stigmatizing mental illness and mental health when people are at capacity in these inpatient hospitals that teaches me why are we stigmatizing it? Everyone struggles. So it's it's giving statistics, it's giving research, it's changing language like you're not crazy, you're not broken. We have ways to help and support you. Again, a lot of validation, a lot of affirmation. I think it's things like other companies, whether they're suicide prevention or eating disorder prevention, things like that. Again, like allowing us to be in spaces to have uncomfortable conversation. Because again, there's the, well, I had an uncle who struggled with this or, oh, like alcoholism has always been in our family. It's like, okay, yes, that's true. But can we talk about it? Can we talk about it versus like, oh, it was just like the crazy drunk uncle. It's like, no, like that's not okay. Mental health, mental illness is a part of our genetics. It's a part of our um family, let's talk about it, have hard conversations, and then hopefully people will feel more comfortable and natural in those spaces versus uncomfortable. Oh, we don't talk about that. We sweep it under the rug and stuff like that. So it's kind of a broad answer, but it's it's creating space to talk about it, changing language, statistics, research, 
and helping people with their internal system, like deconstruct those biases we've been taught and told like our whole life. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I salute you in the work that you do in that space. Cause I, I do feel like, I mean, it, as with everything complicated, like it, we, it's a multi-pronged approach, right? Like we have to make it accessible. We have to talk about it and reduce the stigmas. We have to, we have to do a lot of things to fix the kind of systemic barriers and issues that we have surrounding mental health in our country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're on the ground and you're doing the work. Can you talk to us about some success stories? Like, I know that you can't, you know, d- doctor patient confidentiality, like you can't disclose too much, but talk to us about what it looks like when things go right with your patients. Like you're able to get them the health that they need and the access that they require and the connect them to the resources that are going to help them heal you know, heal towards wellness. That That's what you're, that's what you're there for. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like what success looks like? Yeah. Again, it's so, like you said, it's so um, individual. And I think it's when I get people that when I meet with them every few months at a time, they can come and say to me, I didn't have intense, intrusive thoughts. I wasn't feeling suicidal. I was able to have a hard conversation with my partner or my mom, or I was able to change how I was parenting my child, where instead of getting really angry or frustrated, I was able to just sit on the floor and be like, hey man, like what's going on? So like those reports of just those daily interactions, not feeling so intense or high, or I didn't stay in bed all day, or I was able to clean my depression room. I don't know if you've ever heard of a quote unquote depression room when your mental health and depression. Oh, no, so what's a depression room? Yeah. <laughs> depression room is basically, I'm so depressed and I'm so sad pretty much I don't give a crap about anything. I'm not going to throw things away. I'm just going to put my clothes on the floor. And it just, your room kind of reflects your like mental state. So when I have a client who's like, oh my gosh, I was able to clean my room. I chose different colors. I cleaned all the things that were orange. And then I picked up all of the things that were blue. And when I get those reports that they were able to have that level of, um, I don't know, courage. We've brought that up tonight. Courage to do that, to not to work themselves out of that space. Those are huge success stories. I think success stories are, I work with a lot of teachers who have left the teaching field. And when they work through that grieving process of not feeling so stuck in that sadness and loss of, I laid down my teaching career because it wasn't meeting my needs or them being proud of themselves of, I didn't stay in a system that was holding us down. Again, we're talking about systems and things like that. I was able to put in my notice and leave because I know my worth. I know my value. So those are a lot of the success stories I get. Again, I work with eating disorders, um, people eating, eating meals. That's a huge lunch today. And like, sometimes that's a huge win. Like, I think that that's, I, I feel like they're with people who do not, have or not, because I think you're right. I think that everybody has mental health struggles, mm-hmm. but there are people who are clinically uh, diagnosed with with mental issues. And the fact is, like, I think with, with mental health care, you're actually you're not striving to be happy all the time. Nobody's happy all the time. But what you're tra- you're striving for equilibrium. I feel mm-hmm. like like you 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 are striving to find the even place where you are reacting to situations in ways that are not based on chemical imbalances or uh, tra- past traumas. You know, like when we're talking mm-hmm. about mental health, 
it's it's almost as though you're trying to see the world the way that it actually is, not as a response to the things in your past or the the diagnoses that you have. Um, you're trying to see the world for how it really is, because because mm-hmm. I feel like mental health issues amplify everything. So like yes. you feel down on yourself for a day, that would be someone who doesn't have the same like lack of serotonin or, you know, that, that clinical depression. If you have clinical depression, that sadness or that anger, it's amplified and it's harder to lift yourself out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. And it just colors everything, you know, and I say this, I mean, you said that you had mental health struggles and I have also had mental health struggles, but I feel as though in seeking treatment and in trying to kind of like work through these things, you're, you're actually seeking a baseline of contentment that allows you to deal with all of the other bullshit. Is that Mm -hmm. accurate? (laughs) Yeah. So that's why I use the word wellness. So like you mentioned healing towards wellness, because you're right. Happiness is, is one, it's externally like sought out joy, content, peace is more internally made. So again, we want to be well. Being well means we can navigate anger and sadness and rage and be comfortable in joy. A lot of people are uncomfortable with joy. They're uncomfortable when they get compliments because what if it gets taken away or, oh, I'm not used to people complimenting me or I'm not used to this sense of peace. We want to feel safe in that as well. And so you're exactly right. Like It's finding this this space that I can navigate the world in a way that I feel safe. I feel true to who I am and my values. And I'm not feeling controlled again by maybe a system that I was stuck in that I wasn't aware or my diagnosis or anything like that. I can live life in a way that is true to me and who I am and I feel safe in it. Yeah. Well, so, so talk to us. One of the things that I love to do on the show um, for listeners who, who listen to my episodes on a regular basis, you know this, but I like to talk about those actionable things that our listeners can do today to help them in their personal and professional lives. And so I'm going to ask you, I'm going to lean on your, your therapy skills for a minute and, you know, without giving away the whole farm, like talk to us about some things that I, that entrepreneurs and founders can do. I mean, entrepreneurs and founders, like I feel as though our general mental health, uh, blind spot is stress. Like we are all stressed to the max. We all have, uh, you know, just too much going on, not enough resources, mm-hmm. time or money to do it in. And so, but, but founders actually experience mental health issues at an alarming rate. So what are some things that our listeners can implement in their lives that might help them navigate some tricky mental health waters? Yeah. So I think utilizing your community is huge. So if you have even someone who maybe may not feel like a friend, but more of an acquaintance, ask them to coffee, you know, utilize your community, reach out, go have coffee, go for a lunch and just kind of separate yourself from work for a little bit um, Mm -hmm. and just have community. I think also understanding that rest is not a reward. Rest is a part of the process because we, because like you said, founders, have high mental health stuff because we have this idea that like we have to go, go, go. And that's not necessarily true. Like burnout is a big part of that. So if you need to take a day off, if you need to a couple hours to go color or read a book or something like that, I would definitely suggest doing that. Um, But validating color, I I totally color is stress relief. I have a ridiculous collection of coloring books because it's so much fun. So I recommend that. That's my to do. 
give coloring a try. It's super fun yeah. and mindless. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you ever notice yourself just not liking the job anymore or really struggling, like, I don't want to, when you have founded this company and you're waking up like, I don't want to go, it's time to call a therapist. It's time to check in with that because the thing you is your passion project you have poured into and you're now like, I don't want to go. Like we now maybe need to seek therapy or again, use community, give yourself some time and space to go do something that I don't love the word mindless, but it is. And you just have to give yourself, because it's not mindless, but it is mindless, giving yourself that space. I think also checking in with, are you moving your body? Are you eating foods that you love, that you feel nourished by, um, and things like that? Like, I'm a big believer in just doing the basics. Are you getting outside in sunshine? Are you drinking water? Like, are you eating breakfast? Like, stuff like that. If you're not doing those basic things my guess is your mental health is probably struggling a little bit. And so just kind of do like an inventory of how you're functioning and then go from there. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I'm going to co-sign our our dear expert, Emily, here and just say that, hey, founders, if you are experiencing high levels of anxiety, stress, depression, tired, if you're tired all the time, you know, listen Mm -hmm. to your body and, and understand that sometimes founders, we need to give ourselves a little bit of that extra. We need to give ourselves permission to take Mm -hmm. the time for that extra little bit of mental health care. Uh, And I encourage you all to do that. So Emily, we are now upon the human question and I'm making it up as I go along because I don't really have anything right now. Okay. Got one. All right. so, So you lived in Boston. Mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, just really quick, do you prefer like the clam chowder or do you prefer barbecue? There is a correct answer. Barbecue. Hell yeah. Good girl. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but if you could live somewhere else uh, and it wasn't Kansas City and I understand like I love Kansas City, you love Kansas City, but mm-hmm. where would you live if you could live anywhere else in the world? I would love to live in London. Okay. Why is that? I love the culture. I love the history. I love, I mean, they always seem to be ahead in things, whether it's fashion or technology. Um, I like that you can hop on a train and probably be in another country, like within an hour. I just, again, like the accessibility. I wanted yeah. to live in London for a long time and then I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. So yeah, I would love to live there again, just everything about it. I've always been kind of a history nerd with London and England and um, all of the different like side towns. So um, hmm. big fan. Okay. Well, I, I dig that London. I mean, I, you know that it rains a lot there, right? I you love know? rain. Okay. Well, well, that is very cool. Well, Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, I knew it was going to be a good conversation and I love it when I'm right, but thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks (laughs) for having me. For sure. All right, friends. So, so one final push, do you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders? Well, full scale can help. They have the people on the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit fullscale.io, all you need to do is answer a few questions and then let the platform match you up with fully vetted, highly experienced software engineers, testers, and leaders, a whole team of them. At full scale, they specialize in building long-term teams that work only for you. Learn more when you visit fullscale.io. And friends, I'm going to invite you to tell us what you think. Uh, at Startup Hustle, we do this for you. We want to tell you the stories that you need to hear 
on your own founder journey. So, so reach out to us. Go to startuphustle.xyz. You can always suggest guests. We can also we also love hearing about topics that you'd like to hear about. We have a chat group, a pretty big one and an active one on Facebook. Find us there. Find us on LinkedIn. Find us on Instagram. We're all over the place. But we definitely want you to, to follow us, friend us, but then really tell us what you need. That's what we're here for. So, so let us know. Keep coming back. We appreciate that you listen to us week after week, and we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. <laughs>